Hey everybody, it is November 23rd, um, 2019, and it's Saturday, and um, it's been a little bit, it's been a little minute, so um, basically uh, uh, I was, you know, starting this new podcast, and ba- I decided to, you know, completely change what I was going for in college, so um, yeah, <laughs> I was going for IT, and um. Really, I decided to only decided to go that for that because I was in a little private school, and whenever I was going to that private school, I, my senior year, you know, we work at our own pace, so I was quite a bit ahead my senior year, and I was I was thinking at the time, <laughs> and so I was thinking I was going to have a lot of just wasted time sitting in my desk, and um, by the way, I was wrong about that because about halfway through my senior year, they were like, oh, hey, we miscounted your um, history credits. I don't know if y'all call it social studies. I always went to a private school, so most of y'all, I don't know, went to public school, but we always called it social studies. It's kind of like your U.S. history, history, all that stuff, and they're like, oh, hey, we miscounted your social studies credits, and I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> Um, I had to cram half a or a whole year of social studies in half a year. <laughs> but anyways, so I was thinking that I was gonna be sitting in my desk a lot doing nothing. So I decided, you know what, I'll, I'll go do a dual enrollment at this school um, because I was kind of into computers a little bit, anyways. And I was like, you know, I'm I'm gonna go to this school do dual enrollment for IT. You know. Um, so I don't sit at my desk, and not only that, I, I can go ahead and get a head start on that if I actually do wind up doing that, you know? Well, it turns out I didn't want to do that at all. I don't fit in with most people there. Um, I mean, we I made good friends, you know, and I talked to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of them still, but I, I just, I'm not the same. <laughs> I'll put it like this, you know, I'm from Tennessee, Um which so are they, but I was walking in with a real tree hoodie on, an American flag hat, and some steel toe boots, and they would walk in with some nerdy Star Wars joke on their shirt, and I was like, yeah, I just, I don't, I'm not really like you. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. Wait. I just said utter by accident. But one of these things is not like the other. Um, you know what I mean? So I was like, you know, I was stuck because like I couldn't leave because we have this thing called Tennessee Promise where we get a they use all the people who buy lottery tickets, they use all that money to pay for um people my age's um first two years of college, all the way up to a socially associates degree. So but if I, I left college at any point in time, I would lose that, that grant. So I had to just stay in IT and I was in IT for a long time. And I I just, I didn't like it. And I was miserable. I was struggling to keep my grades up. Um, (laughs) mostly because I wasn't interested in it and I knew I wasn't going to ever be an IT guy. So yeah, I decided to switch to industrial maintenance. I, I really like industrial maintenance, you know, is it? Um, I'm I'm loving it, you know. I learned a little bit about electronics. I'm I'm already almost through that book. Um, mechanics, pneumatics, hydraulics, robotics. You can stay an extra trimester to learn robotics. That is, um, 
just, just all kinds of stuff, you know. I think I said mechanics, you know. Um, but it's it's a good thing to get into. And um, not only that, they were saying that uh, last trimester, because we go by trimesters at our school. I go to a little trade school. Last trimester, they um, – Comores, a company around here, you know, came in and hired – the entire graduating class, you know, they, they hired everybody that graduated, uh, at $32 an hour. And I was like, dang. And they were sitting there like, yeah, it's one of the lower paying jobs. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold, hold up. What? <laughs> $32 an hour is a lower paying job. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I think, though, that it's actually not, you know, it's a, it's not one of the highest paying jobs, but I think I, now that I've been in it for a minute, I think it's like a normal $32 an hour, you know, um, but still, either way, it, it's it's a really good job, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's some good money, <laughs> and I enjoy doing it, you know. So yeah, that was a, that was, that was why, um, this podcast did not stay afloat for very long after I started it. But here I am a little, little bit over a month, you know, almost two months and I'm making the second episode. <laughs> but yeah, so that's what's been going on around here. Um, it's been crazy, you know, a lot of crazy things happened with the, me being the student president I went to this thing called TLTI, you know, um, it was some kind of leadership conference, had to sit through a million meetings. Um, I do have one thing to talk about that at the end of this podcast that I will, will talk about. Um, and then uh, there, I just, I sat through a bunch of meetings, decided I want to run for a higher position in that, you know. Um, and then also after that, <laughs> So I, I can't remember. It was like three, two or three weeks ago on a Wednesday. It was apparently um, Caregivers Appreciation Day, okay? And <laughs> we, they decided they wanted to do something for that. And so they were like, we're going to read a poem over the intercom. And I was like, all right, that, that's cool. You know, it was the vice president. I was going to read it. It's a woman, you know. Well, I got to that day, and it was at the end of the day. They still hadn't read it, and I was like, you know what, whatever. They come in, vice president comes in and goes, um, I have a lecture. I was like, no, because <laughs> she had a lecture, which means that leaves me to do it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hold up. I'll look it up for you. Hold up. Um, it, it was not uh, just – it was not me. Um, what was it? A poem. It was a little poem. All right, let's see. Will this have it? Uh, okay, hold up. I'm Googling, guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was by, like, some dude with the last name Tuft. Uh, it's by Bruce R.B. of Tim Barron. I don't know who most of these guys are, so I'm just clicking through, okay? Um, November is National Alzheimer's Awareness Month. Hmm, I didn't know that. That's that's good, though. That's good, you know. That is something that a lot of people, um, you know, as they get older and mess with it. Uh, if you look at it, too, it's interesting because Alzheimer's usually comes from uh, – 
a lot of uh, putting a lot of stress on your brain, you know, like people who are always working or um, I don't know, people like engineers that think a lot. It usually comes from putting too much stress on your brain, which I kind of thought was interesting. Um, so make sure you, you know, you take breaks. Um, that's a very important thing, more so than I, I thought, you know. Um, so yeah, Hold up. I can't find this poem. I will, I will, I will, I will find it, okay? Let's see here. I'm almost there, I think. But uh, I, re- I, I thought that was really interesting because I'm kind of, I'm kind of into um, stinking psychology and stuff. I think some of the stuff in there is interesting. I found it. <laughs> that, wow, it was the first article on Google, but I was looking through the images. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, it wasn't tough. It was huff. Okay, here it is. <laughs> okay, I had to read this over the intercom. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to read it right now because it's just it, – it's, it's, it's not that it's a bad poem. It's just that I, it's just not me. You know, it's not something I would read. The heart of a caregiver is a rare element on earth. They definitely define the true meaning of – the and value of God's worth. The soul of a caregiver is precious and pure. Their spirits are heavenly, of that I'm sure. The selfless compassion and love that they share provides relief, joy, and comfort just knowing they're there. Their efforts are unnoticed, full of strength and emotion, bring peace to the heavens with angelic devotion. Many rites are restless, their minds filled with unease, because they devote their lives to tend to others' needs. There is none more deserving than one with the caregiver ability. They show peace, love, and mercy, and give our loved ones dignity. Caregiver, a special place in heaven is waiting for you. There is a special place inside my heart that is reserved for you, too." Thank you for everything, all of it and more. I pray someone so kind is there for you when you knock on God's door. You are loved and respected and cherished, and I wouldn't have known what to do without you. And it was in memory of Earl T. Huff Sr. and dedicated to the Isadora Spring Hill, the Isadora in Spring Hill, Florida. So it wasn't written by that Huff guy I was talking about. It, it was written by Ryan Huff, and it was in memory of Earl T. Huff. So, yeah, it was written by Huff. Uh, <laughs> um, this was on caregiver.com, by the way. And I think – look, they have a podcast. Is this a podcast for caregivers? Anyways, if you're a caregiver, go check them out, you know. Um, I mean, sure, it's good. You know, caregiver is definitely uh, – underrated position you know they don't get any um care but they they work really hard you know oh uh, I, don't, I don't mean care i mean like love um but they they work really hard you know some of the people work really hard to keep their family members up and good you know um anyways that was an interesting experience <laughs> I, I was just not me you know it's not i'm nothing against it that just poem was not something that i would say <laughs> Oh, man. Okay, so now we're going to get into the actual thing that we're going to be talking about today. And I was having a little bit of trouble thinking of something to talk about, but I decided, you know, on this. It was just a random thing I found on the internet, and yeah. Oh, by the way, too, I think I'm going to upload this tonight. 
this is Saturday. Normally, I'm going to try to do them on either Mondays or Fridays, maybe both, hopefully both. If not on Friday, though, it's going to be on Monday. And if not on Monday, then it's probably not coming out that week. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so here we go. This is uh, on NY, new NY for New York, I guess, nymagazine.com. On Intelligencer, that's an interesting uh, uh, name. And it says, Reasons to Believe. How seriously should you take these recent reports of UFOs? Ask the Pentagon or read this primer for the SETI curious. Actually, I think I saw some. I'm, I'm looked this up too. I think I saw something the other day of um, you know, Edward Snowden, Snowden, the whistleblower from CIA that said um, that the CIA is listening to us. You know, um, I think, and now he's like wanted and has to live in, um has to live in Russia. I think he said something about them saying, you know, like America knows nothing about aliens. Um, hold up here. Let's look. Edward Snowden aliens. <laughs> That's what I'm going to look up. Edward Snowden aliens. Here we go. Here it is. This is the exact article I read. It's by CNN. Okay. Edward Snowden searched the CIA's networks for proof that aliens exist. Here's what he found. Okay. So, no, okay, a video's playing. I'm sorry about that. Um, he, okay, this is what happened. This was a little back and forth, okay? He was a former employee of CIA and a contractor for the National Security Agency. Okay. For the record, as far as I could tell... Aliens have never contacted Earth, or at least they haven't contacted U.S. intelligence, is what he writes in his recent memoir, Permanent Record. Okay. Also, the moon landing did occur. In case you weren't wonder, in case you were wondering, yes, man really did land on the moon. Climate change is real. Chemtrails are not a thing. Okay. Well, yeah, interesting. Um. So that 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 is pretty interesting that he would say that. So um, I don't doubt it, you know. Um, oh, he said everybody wants to believe in conspiracy theories because it helps life make sense. You know, that's that's a good point. You know. Oh, here's another thing he said: by the idea that we're hiding them, if we are hiding them, I had ridiculous access to the networks of the NSA, the CIA, the military, all these groups, I couldn't find anything. So if it's hidden, and it could be hidden, it's hidden really, um, dang, bleep, <laughs> well, even from people who are on the inside. Well, I mean, that, that's certainly interesting, you know, no, man, I'm sure there's going to be people saying there's lying. I'm not getting into any of that because um, that's not even the original place I was taking this con this podcast. But I just, I just thought I read that the other day and I thought that was interesting. Anyways, so reasons to believe that all that I read what I read earlier. This is what they had to say. In the good old days, the arrival of UFOs on the front page of America's paper record might have seemed like a loose thread tear right through the fabric of reality. The closest that secular space race America could have gotten on to a second coming two decades ago or three or six 
we would have also felt we knew that knew the script in advance. Thanks to endless variations, pop culture had played for us already. Civilization conflicts to mirror the real world, real world ones. Americans had been imaging in terror since the beginning of the Cold War. But in December, the New York Times published an undisputed account of what might have sounded like crackpot <laughs> crack conspiracy theory. Okay, here's one thing. It said an undisputed account of what might have <laughs> If it's undisputed, then it, it is not might. If it's undisputed, then it definitely is. So undisputed shouldn't be in there. That's just uh, trying to steer you in their direction, I guess. That's all I can, uh, I mean, I don't know that for a fact. That's just all I can think of. Okay, like a crackpot conspiracy. The, that the Pentagon had spent five years investigating, quotes, unexplained aerial phenomena, the response among the paper's most liberal readers, exhausted and beaten down by, the recent, event, by recent events, was markedly different from the one in these in those movies all this is quote all the or, well like all this is quote i'm quoting them <laughs> the news that aliens might actually be visiting us regularly and recently didn't provoke terror but a coming space opera conflict but something much more like the evangelical dream of the rapture the same liberals might have mocked as kooky right wing escapism in George W. Bush years. Okay, I, I, I haven't read any of this, so <laughs> whatever it's saying, I, I just, 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 just this disclosure. I haven't read any of this. This is just all quote from them, and I don't know what's coming up. So, um, mocked as kooky right-wing escapism in the George W. Bush years. The truth is out there, quote, from former Senator Harry Reid tweeted with a link to the story of Thank God came the response to the tw the Twitter vent. Could extraterrestrials help us save the Earth? Went one typical reaction. Suddenly, aliens were escapist were an escapist fantasy, but also more credible, legitimized by the government than more than mere than mere fantasy. I keep stuttering. <laughs> How long does this got to go? Okay, I'm skipping down to when they actually get into it, all right? Um, alien dreams have always been powered by the desire for human... Uh, I don't think that's it either. Um, every extraterrestrial era. Okay. Every extraterrestrial... Terrestrial... Every extraterrestrial area <laughs> has been on its own fantasy of consequentiality. Crop circles began as a phenomenon of the English courtside, then spread to the far corners of the of the one-time British Empire, Australia, Canada, after World War II, when the UK was fa falling unmistakably back into the ranks of the nation of nations, and when its I would that was that was I wasn't putting that on like I was that was actually me trying to read this word provincial I guess subjects would have felt some understandable desire to demonstrate that somehow their lives really mattered okay wow this is getting dark let's scroll down a little bit <laughs> 
not trying to misquote them at all, but I don't have time to read all of this, and I'm not going to read their whole article quote for quote, because then I'm not saying it, you know. I'm just going to read the basic gist of what I can find, and then I'm going to give you my take on it. Alien dreams have always been powered by the desire for human importance in a vast, forgetful cosmos. We want to be seen so we know we exist. Okay, some of this makes sense, you know. Um, here we go. Okay, finally, I got to the part that they're actually talking about what this article is about. And get this, dude. Like, we're not even, we're about one-tenth of the way down the article. We're not going through all this. Like, this is way too long. I didn't, like I said, I didn't read it before I started this podcast. That's what I, that's just the way I've done it. You know, that's the way I did it last time. I think it turned out pretty good last time. So I'm just not going to read these articles before I do them. But I'm going to have to figure out something to do whenever it's this long. Because I was originally planning on reading the whole thing. And then I was like, well, it was way too long. So I guess I'll just pick a different one next time. And the government literally just admitted it's taking UFOs seriously. Okay, well, okay. First of all, okay, I'm not, I'll, I'll read the rest of this. Whether, uh, the gist of what they're talking about in a second. But like. Just because they're taking it seriously doesn't mean they know anything about aliens. Because think about it, you know, if, if if you even think that there's aliens, you might want to take it seriously. Just just in case, you know, just as a precaution. And personally, I don't I don't think like aliens like the picture exist, but you know, the bacteria we found on Mars, by definition, is technically an alien, you know? Well, there's not a definition, but you know what I mean. I don't think there's a definition by, like, for the cases that we're talking about, you know? But I think technically that bacteria on Mars is technically a, a living being that's sitting in space, you know? <laughs> in 1952, the CIA group called the Psychological Strategy Board concluded that when it came to UFOs, the American, American, the American public was dangerously gullible and prone to hysterical mass behavior. The group recommended debunking campaigns to tamper the public's interest in an unexplained phenomena, but the government seems to have been inter interested too. In December, the Pentagon confirmed the existence of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program created in 2007, by the senators Ted Stevens, who reportedly being chased by a mysterious object, Daniel, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna try to read that, and then Majority Leader Harry Reid, and funded with 22 million dollars of black money from the Department of Defense's budget, the program investigated and evaluated reports of UFO sightings, many of which came from American service members. Okay, well, of course you would uh, look into that, you know. I mean, if anybody has a little bit uh, a little bit of what might be evidence, you would definitely want to look into that either way, whether you believe or not. Just in case, you know, like I said earlier, just in, just in case. So that doesn't mean that the government is say believes in aliens or not. Harry Reid says, we're not taking them seriously enough. Okay. Eric Menson, I'm curious about just where your interest in this subject comes from. And then Harry Reid said, Bob Bigelow, the founder of Bigelow Aerospace and Budget Suits, Suites, 
<laughs> he's a central figure in all this. When he was a young man, he heard a story from his grandparents about driving down from Mount Charleston near Las Vegas where they saw a so-called flying saucer, for lack of, lack of a better description. Bob became a very wealthy man. He would pay for these conferences about UFOs, and then he would bring in scientists, academics, and a few nutcases. There were people trying to figure out what all this aerial phenomenon was. Bob started started sending me tons of stuff. Mainly what interests me is that so many people had seen these strange things in the air. EB, it calls him EB now in HR, EB said, so tell me how this program got started. I was in Washington. Whoa, I scrolled down by next day. I was in Washington in the Senate, and Bob called me and said, I got the strangest letter, he, letter here. Could I have been a – that's a word. Corey, you're bringing it to you. I said, sure. He didn't want to send it to me over the lines for obvious reasons. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, the letter said, I am a senior, longtime member of this security agency, and I have interest in what you've been working on. I also want to go to your ranch in Utah. Okay, that makes sense. That he wouldn't want to send that over the lines. Bigelow had bought a great big ranch. All this crazy stuff goes on up there. You know, things in the air. Indians used to talk about it, part of their folklore. So I called Bigelow back and said, hey, I'll meet with the guy. The program grew out of that to study the aerial phenomena. Okay, I still don't believe it. <laughs> I mean, there, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's always something that could happen that this is the information is false. Scientists are suddenly much more bullish about the possibility of life out there. What do you mean by bullish? Okay, let's let's read on then. Just 30 years ago, we had not discovered a single planet outside our solar system. Now, we know of more than 3,000 of them, and we know nearly every star in the night sky has at least one planet in its orbit. Even people who are not terribly interested in science know that we found that planets are common as fire hydrants. I mean, in my experience, the fire hydrants are not that common. <laughs> um, they're everywhere. Sure, not in my town, <laughs> says Seth Shostak. The senior astronomer at the SETI Institute, one in five or, or one in six might be a planet similar to the Earth. That doesn't mean we'll ever find an exact replica of Earth, but maybe we don't have to. Our study of other planets and moons in the solar system show us many worlds possess the ingredients necessary for life and and atmosphere, organic compounds, liquid, wa liquid water, and other necessities. The moons orbiting Jupiter and Saturn, for example, feature whole subsurface oceans. Hmm, that's actually pretty interesting. Um, but again, it doesn't mean that. Um, Stakin 
aliens exist just because there are other planets. And again, it might not be true uh, on what they're saying. Uh, okay. This says there's documentation, but I don't think so. But I mean, if you want, y'all want to come read this, I'll leave it in the description. But mainly, it just shows a bunch of pictures, so I'm not going to read through that. That asteroid looks an awful lot like a rocket ship. Okay, no. <laughs> no. Okay, because... <laughs> it has a picture of it, okay? You can go look at it. But it's an asteroid. <laughs> it can look anything like it. And they might be like, oh, but this one's not naturally how it would look like. Well, guess what? There's all kinds of things that happen in space. You know, another asteroid could have hit it and made it break up, you know. I, I just don't think about that. Um, these masters of the universe are obsessed. Um, and why does it have in parentheses they are also men? That mm. uh, Then it's, again, it's talking about Robert Diglow. Okay, Elon Musk. Musk. Musk is, okay, I'm not going to quote this. Musk is, um, really wants, is, okay, Musk wants to use his $21 billion to colonize Mars. Now I'm quoting. His company SpaceX has been trying to desperately desperately to reduce the cost of space travel in the hopes of beginning a million-person colonization of Mars. If we're not in a simulation, then maybe we're in a lab and there's some more advanced alien civilization that's just watching how we develop out of curiosity like mold in a Petri disc, says Musk. He believes that we're all a simulation. And he is he is trying to do that. And uh, we'll read another one. Jeff Bezos, the you know, owner of Amazon. His company, Blue Origin, is competing with Elon Musk's SpaceX to launch reusable rockets the comically rich tourist into space while Musk played himself in a cameo in Iron Man 2. It stopped recording for a second, but I'm going to go on. <laughs> it said he played as himself as in a cameo as a, an Iron Man 2, which is, which is interesting because I just recently watched, rewatched Iron Man 2 and I don't, I don't remember him being in there. But Bezos appeared, and Bezos appeared as an alien Starfleet in official official in 2016 Star Trek Beyond. It was on a speakable role. Why do I feel so much like a Sigourney Weaver? Bezos said last March as he piloted a giant manned robot at Amazon's Mars conference. But like they're talking about space stuff. Like this has nothing to do with aliens, unless we become the aliens whenever we go up there to Mars. I mean, <laughs> technically they are aliens. Um, but Bezos played in Star Trek. Like he looks like an alien, anyways. So here we go. We're gonna scroll down, um, and because this is way too much to read on this podcast, so we're gonna scroll down and find the highlights and read them. Maybe like one or two more. All right, let's see here. Scroll, scroll, scroll. More pictures. We even have some pretty developed theories about why we haven't heard from ET yet. Okay, here we'll go into these theories and then we'll end it. Though we'll end end this part of the podcast. The aliens are all dead. Let's start with the most depressing theory. Maybe we haven't found the extraterrestrials because they're all dead. At least now the universe is. 13.78 billion years old. We don't know that. 
and and I don't I don't think that's right actually in my opinion, but we don't actually know how old the universe is. That is false. And in that amount of time, there might have been plenty of civilizations that evolved and went extinct. Aliens are all sleeping is another theory, but maybe they're not all they're not dead, just hibernating. Another theory suggests that perhaps there is an extraterrestrial species out there that is so advanced it cannot efficiently make use of its technology right now because the universe's temperature is currently too high. St good news, though. The universe's temperature is cooling down, even as Earth is, he Earth is heating up. So aliens may have decided to take a snooze for a few trillion years while they wait for a colder weather like that's more suitable. Aliens are hiding. I mean, same, you know, self self-explanatory. Aliens are still evolving. I don't believe in evolution, but I mean that's a that's a decent theory if you do believe in that. But uh, personally, I'm Christian. I don't believe in evolution. Humans haven't spent enough time looking. Uh, maybe. Realistically speaking, we have only had the proper equipment to search for aliens for a little over half a century. On the scale of the cosmos, that time frame is less than a fraction of the uh, of the blink of an eye. The process could take centuries or even millennia, optimistically speaking. <laughs> okay. The aliens are already here. Mm. <laughs> This is where the conspiracy theory get to get, get to go nuts. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes, maybe the aliens are already here and we just haven't figured it out yet. They might <clears throat> Jeff Bezos. They might <laughs> be taking some time to study us before unveiling themselves or maybe they have already let themselves be known to certain groups. The truth isn't out there. It's here. Quoted by, or said by somebody named NP. I don't know who NP is. Anyways, there's interest. That's interesting, you know, because, uh, you know, who knows? Aliens could exist. I don't believe so, but, you know, I don't blame you for believing it either, because, I mean, it's a giant universe. But, you know, personally, you know, I, we know more about space than we do our own oceans. So if we're looking for something crazy like that, it makes more sense to look here on Earth in the oceans than it is out there. Because we actually recently found out that the Mariana Trench isn't even the deepest part of the ocean, and we barely even explored that. So we got we got a um, a lot of work to do on there, you know. And there's there's we have we haven't discovered. I think it was like it was an insanely low percentage of the species in the ocean, you know. There there's just a a lot of crazy things sitting right there in the ocean, and we're all looking. I'm more interested in space, which I guess because it is more interesting at the moment, but you know, it could be way more interesting just what's in down here in our oceans than what is out there. So that, that, that is something interesting to think about. All this stuff is, you know, um, but anyways, guys, we're going to go to the next part of the podcast. This will be where um as is something new I'm going to start doing I didn't do it in the last episode but um I at closing you know on the last like little segment I guess I'm going to start talking about you know something more serious you know I mean it could be religious political you know probably not political 
um, you know, something about morals or character traits, you know, just something a little, a little different than just talking about random things that don't matter. Like if aliens exist, <laughs> um, which, you know, you never know aliens being aliens, but words, okay. Aliens existing could matter, but you know, at the moment, this current time, you know, November 23rd, 2019, it doesn't matter right now. You know, not that much, you know. I don't think we should put a whole lot of effort into it. Anyways, so I'll see you guys in the next segment. And here we go. <laughs> All right, so now into the last part of this podcast. This is something going to be like, if you if you, like, if you watch Slaughter with Crowder, it's going to be something similar to Crowder Closes, I guess. But personally, I don't think it's going to be as good as it is. <laughs> But the first thing I want to talk about is there was something I was talking about. I went to that leadership conference, and there was something interesting that happened there that has to do with uh, a little bit of politics, but I took a religious standpoint on it. This this is not a political thing I'm about to talk about. So basically what happened was I'm the student president, okay? They separated all the student presidents, and we had our own little meeting. And so, you know, I don't know what to call them. The, like, staff there, I guess, um, was running the meeting, and they decided we were going to talk about gender pronouns. And I was like, you know, um, hmm, don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> so I was like, you know, that's okay. I just, I just won't say anything, you know. I won't get into it. I was just going to keep my mouth shut. But then they, they started just bashing Christians. And, you know, I'm a Christian. They were just bashing Christians, bashing the Bible. Say, I'm in Tennessee, and they were saying, like, we, it's a Bible Belt nation, and we need to, our country, and we are not country, not nation, but we're in the Bible Belt, and we need to get away from being the Bible Belt, and, um, you know, cause, and Christians hate gays and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, that's not true. So I was sitting there, and I was raising my hand. And I think they started in my face, you know, that I, was, I wasn't agreeing with it. Because I, I was kind of getting heated. I wasn't going to yell at them or anything. I wasn't going to lose my cool. But I, it was kind of making me a little angry, to um, be honest. But I, I didn't let that affect the way I acted. That was just what I was feeling. So I was – I raised my hand, and they would not – pick me <laughs> I mean there was like just some 20 to 30 people in the room and they they were getting everybody they could except me until I was the only hand up and so then they had to so I raised my hand and what what I said was personally I do not care if you want me to call you a man a woman or a dog does not matter to me what I called you whenever I'm sitting here talking to you. But I will not be forced to call you anything. You know, I, I do not think that should be a part of legislation. You know, that I should have to call you whatever you want me to call you. Just because, you know. <laughs> um, so, here, here's the thing. Um. I'm, I'm lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. I, I said, and I don't think Christians are saying 
all this stuff out of hate. You know, we actually advocate for the love. You know, um, we we don't think that you should hate anybody. Think that we think that you should love everybody. And yes, we are. I mean, we are against it, but that had already been made been made obvious in that meeting. You know uh, what we thought about them. But we still love, like we should still love gay, gay people. You know, whether you're gay, transgender, or anything, we should treat you just like everybody else. And so, I was sitting there, and I was like, you know, I, was, <laughs> I said, and if anybody. <laughs> in your school is getting bullied because they're gay. I said, send them to me. I said, my number is, you know, I can't say it on this podcast, but I, I literally gave out my number <laughs> in that room to everybody in there. And I said, send them to me, write that down. <laughs> and um, so that, that is something to worth noting because even after, you know, there was some people who disagreed with me came to me, and there was some people who agreed with me that came to me. And personally, I, I don't think that we as Christians should be getting into all these political debates, but they were bashing the Bible and stuff like that, and so I had to say something. Um, I think that the first thing you should worry about is whether they're Christian or not, and then God will work everything else out. So there's a few things worth noting in that. One, um, there is a lot of um, censoring going on, um, I personally, personally believe, and there is a lot of um, people are taking a lot of hard stances on a lot of things, and I mean, you should definitely be grounded in what you believe, but you should make sure what you believe is right, and not just believe something because of your emotions. So, you should, but if you know you're right without a shadow of a doubt, stand your ground. No matter how many people is against you, whether it's just one or two, or whether it's a hundred, you know. Um, for me personally, it was like 20 to 30 people in that room. And, um, like, I think there was like one other person in there that agreed with me. <laughs> that was that was something really hard to do, you know. That's that was why I said they. I don't think they're getting bullied is because it's it's hard for us to talk about this. It's hard for me to talk about it on this podcast right now. It's hard for me to talk about it then. And I'm usually not one shy to talk about things publicly, you know. Um, I'm not. I'm not. You know, I don't shy away from public speaking. I've done it quite a few times, and I'm I'm just. I do it, you know, it, it, it still makes me a little nervous, but not, not bad enough to where I can't function. So that is something worth noting. And another thing is, there is nothing wrong with righteous anger. Even biblically, there is nothing wrong with righteously being angry. So if you're angry for a good reason, even Jesus flipped tables in the Bible. We look at being angry like it is something some type of sin or something and 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 being angry itself is not you know but letting that affect your actions is you can be angry all you want but the second you start letting that make you sin or making or not from a non-christian standpoint making you do things that you would regret then it's a problem then that is when angry being angry is a bad thing but if you can, but it can actually be a good thing. Because think about it. If you can figure out 
how to use that anger to your advantage, then you're all set. Um, oftentimes, though, you you also got to watch this. Oftentimes, if you do use it to your advantage, you usually wind up being too aggressive. Being aggressive is a bad thing. You know, think about it. If you're going to catch an animal, you're going to use food because it's going to go at it super aggressively, and then it don't think about it much, and then boom, they're caught. So being too aggressive is something that you might do if you decide to use your anger to your advantage, and it might hurt you. So watch for that. But just one thing to take away from this is that righteous anger, there is nothing wrong with that. But that is just something that I wanted to talk about in closing instead of in the beginning. But here's the actual thing I have set aside to talk about. Making decisions. Because look at it. I just decided to switch from IT to industrial maintenance. And I had another big decision that actually just happened to me um, yesterday. Um, this is a little bit harder to talk about, you know, is that um, I was dating a girl. I'd been uh, dating her for about a month. And she says we hadn't been getting uh, that we needed to talk. And she said that we hadn't been talking as much and which was true because we were both kind of busy. But um, from my perspective, you know, I could be wrong, but uh, I I was I thought I was texting her and she wasn't answering. And so she broke up with me. All right. Three hours later, she's saying she made a mistake and is wanting me back. And so that puts me in a hard place because she's a little bit younger. She's 16. And so she doesn't have as much experience as me. I do. And I understand making an honest mistake like that. You know, I, I do. As I probably would have done the same thing when I was her age. And if you're listening to this, um, then, you know, what you did is okay, and I forgive you. But um, basically, and there, there is two sides to every story, too. I'm not saying I was perfect in it, but basically my I was at a, I was at a crossroads because on one hand, I've always said that I wouldn't get back with a girl because if you do, you know, often they wind up, when couples that get back together – break up and most of the time for the same thing. And they, they, that's what, what happens with the cycle is people get their emotions evolved when they're making a decision and they just, and they just keep getting back with the same person over and over again. And then they're just, they're just going to break up for the same reason that for, if you break up, you're really, you're just not compatible enough. But on the other hand, she made a decision that I probably would have made, you know? And, um, that was probably, that might have been just my emotions um, speaking. So I decided to sleep on it. You know, I, I told her I'd uh, think about it. And ultimately, I decided not to because whenever you're in a situation where your emotions are involved really heavily like that, think about it. Step back from it. You know, think about it logically. Act as if though you were telling somebody else that and not yourself. You were making the decision for somebody else. And I was thinking that if I was to tell, give somebody advice in that situation, then I would tell them they should break up. And um, that, that was hard to do. Um, <laughs> um, they still haven't answered back. That uh, I'm pretty sure they saw it, but they, I never did answer back. That's okay. 
Um, and yes, it, it was over text. It, it's kind of long distance. She broke up with me over text, and then I was going to try to call her, but I wasn't able to. And so I told her that we don't need to date anymore. And um, so those were two hard decisions that I've had to make here recently. Uh, there is a lot of things that go into making a decision because those were two decisions that could literally change how my life is, who I become, what the rest of my life is. You know, I'm young. I'm about to be 19 pretty soon. And by the way, she was not too young. She's about to be 17. And we have laws that protect me. You know, I wasn't doing anything illegal. <laughs> um, just, just for legal reasons, that was not illegal. <laughs> but I had to, you know, those were two hard decisions I had to make because um, that one had emotions, my emotions in it. And so did, so did um, moving from IT because, you know, if you think about it, that was all my friends. You know, um, you know, when you when you graduate high school, sad just the sad thing about it is you're not able to talk to uh, your friends as much anymore. So you're out a lot of friends. And so almost all my friends were in IT. And they're and yes, they were all different from me, but I, I still they were still my friends, you know. And so like I said, you have to just step back and think about what you're doing. And here's another thing I suggest. Whether you're Christian or not, pray about it. It's, it's, a, it's I think it's a good idea, even if you're not Christian. If you're Christian, it's obvious why that's a good idea. If you're not, you you at least you know. One, it causes you to think about it a little bit more. Two, there's nothing you can lose. Okay, there. If you pray about it and you're not Christian, you're not going to lose anything. But you could gain everything. You could gain making the right decision. If we're right, then, you know, you're lost, and you need to come to Christ. And so you gain that. There, There's everything to gain and nothing to lose by doing it. So I suggest that you do that too because it also kind of clears your head a little bit. And so, yeah, just make sure when you're making your decisions to make them carefully and don't just go by the whim off, the, off a whim. That's another thing to do too that I mentioned earlier is sleep on it. Both those decisions, I slept on it and I thought about them. Don't just randomly make decisions. But that is the... I'll call it the moral of the story today. <laughs> um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'll leave the links. I'll leave some links in the description from the, um, I'll leave for the poem and the alien article. And I hope you guys all have a nice day. And I will see y'all later. Bye.